Hey everyone, welcome to Movie Films with Bill and Steve. I'm Steve. And I'm Bill. Movies talk. So let's talk movies. Let's talk those movies. How you doing today, Bill? Uh, today, I'm okay. Alright, that's good. That's great. Yeah, I think it's great. Great to be okay. Nothing wrong with be okay. Okay is a very uh, middle-of-the-road approach to life. There's nothing wrong with okay. Nothing wrong with okay. If you think there's something wrong with okay, man. Okay, I guess. Uh... Very, very non-threatening approach to that, I guess. It is non-threatening. True. Uh, how are you doing, Steve? I'm doing pretty groovy. Oh! Ha, ha. <laughs> Just kidding. We're not talking about the uh, the good ones. Um. Anyway, uh, I'm doing. I'm, I'm. I'm also doing okay. I had a root canal today. My mouth hurts. Um, yeah, and I hope still that here it's... for the podcast. And That's I'm still dedication, here for the pod- people. I don't fuck around. And I watch these movies. I do this podcast. I I make the pictures. Whenever you see a silly picture where we look funny, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> um, but other than that, probably nothing going on. It's been a slow couple of weeks. Same, same, uh, same here. Um, I guess in uh, we have some sad news before we kind of leading the things. We want to give our respects to uh, not not just Christopher Lee, uh, obviously, uh, but also uh, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. Both passed away last week after we recorded the last episode. The American Dream is dead. But he will live on forever. He will. There are hard times, baby. <laughs> but yes, it is it was a uh, it was sad news to hear that both of those guys died. Dusty Rhodes. Same day. Same day, yeah. That was tough. Uh you know, a a wrestling legend, an amazing entertainer. Um and then Christopher Lee, of course. Pretty much the last great old-timey horror icon that was still living and uh fucking still kicking ass in his 90s i mean he that's was right still... yeah it's one of those things that i think i agree with a lot of people it's like don't it's one of those things like don't feel sad for the loss of christopher lee christopher lee like in his late 80s decided to start doing like <laughs> like singing for metal bands he just and recorded you... a christmas metal album like last yeah, year uh, yeah so he was in his, his early 90s recording metal albums that guy has lived the life he has done fucking everything he's done almost every kind of role done so much in his life he died very old it's it's sad to lose talent but you can't be depressed about it it's for sure it's like it's one of those things where it's like yeah it's like man sucks he's gone but you know what he didn't die. He just he just uh, elevated to another plane of existence. <laughs> he was like, I've done everything else. Let me see what death is like. Time to go fucking rock that shit. <laughs> I mean, he's in his late eighties, recording being a Saruman for the Lord of the Rings films and everything else, and doing like action scenes too. Yeah, and the Hobbit films, I should say. Um, and so it's like everything's everything's great. It's one of those things where it's all. But I'm I'm just really happy, I guess, in a way that. To see so many people coming out talking about Christopher Lee, I was really glad too. You know, there was always there's always that fear that it's going to be a bunch of people on Facebook being like, "Who's even Christopher Lee? Who gives a shit about Count Dooku?" Yeah. Um, and it wasn't. You know, there's a lot of people that really know who Christopher Lee is and really respects a lot of his work. And I saw a lot of people uh, talking about a lot of his different movies, which is what I thought was so cool. Yeah, it wasn't just the Hammer Horror stuff or the Rings stuff or the Star Wars stuff or. Um... I mean, just like I said, like you said, he's done so many different things mm-hmm. in his life. Uh, or his he, voice he was, acting work, obviously. His voice that, um, and of course, his most famous work being uh, Johnny Depp's father in Charlie and Chocolate Factory. <laughs> uh, the role that will live forever. His whole string of weird showing ups in the uh, Burton <laughs> Burton films, like being the um, 
the Jabberwocky and the Alice in Wonderland. Film. Jabberwocky, yeah. Um, being for, for for like five seconds where he dies, you know. Uh, and five seconds before he loses his tongue, and then he dies five seconds after that. Yeah. Um, and of course, Diz from Kingdom Hearts two. Yes. He literally plays a character named Diz in a Disney. Uh, is no that similar to the Wiz? He is basically the Wiz. So he's Richard Pryor. Yes. Ah, raci- racism's over, guys. You're welcome. You're welcome, America. <laughs> uh, but yeah, sad week, Dusty and Christopher. It was uh, honor to see you exist. Rest in peace. You will never be forgotten. True. I, I, I also want to give my quick respects to Dusty oh, Rhodes. Yes. Uh, obviously, uh, probably I want to. I don't know. Uh, probably the biggest like legend that was still alive. I mean, obviously, we still have Ric Flair, but I think... Well, he's been around since ancient Egypt times. Oh, for sure. I mean, obviously, he was even around. Like, he was, like, a big inspiration for Ric Flair, even. Yeah. I mean, everything he's done his entire career, he worked, I mean, forever. Even he was still working at WWE down the Performance Center for NXT for their new recruits. Like, my, I follow a lot of them on Twitter, so my on Thursday, Twitter feed was just blowing up. It was, like, everybody's talking about Dusty Rhodes. Rightfully so, of course, as we said. Mm-hmm. I mean... You don't even have to uh, be into wrestling to not. You, I think you should be able to still respect the man and his work. I mean, I think he wrestled over four hundred one-hour-long matches in his career. Mm-hmm. I, mean, that, I that's, didn't even know fucking, that. That's insane. Yeah, that's is insane because one-hour matches are rare enough nowadays. They're they're still rare, but pretty common back in the seventies and eighties. But still, that many and stuff. And mm-hmm. Definitely one of the best best in ring performers of all time, and one of the best talkers in all of all time. Definitely talkers. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So. I mean, and then the, and it's easy. Like I, some people keep bringing this up, and it's it's a good point. You know, here's the show moment. You know what? WWE has been doing the whole nine ninety nine for the subscription stuff. They've it was a huge meme for a while. I'm glad they stopped doing it. But for that nine ninety nine, you can tons of his matches, all of his like um his um what's the word I'm looking for? Um, if you want to relive his career, there's so much on the network that you can check out. So. Mm-hmm. It's, it'll always be there, so it's one of those good things, I guess, about living this age where everything, like, we can still relive the past and let these people who have helped shape an industry still get to experience their work and their artwork, their, their um, art form and craft. Mm-hmm. So, there's, we're, hats off to, obviously, both so both Christopher Lee and Dusty Rhodes may... Uh, Legends in their own art. Yeah, very true, very true, so... That little bit there. So uh, we'll just move on into to more start. sad news about <laughs> Marvel. <laughs> it's true. Um, uh, first off, uh, we got some uh, casting news for Doctor Strange. Um, I, I okay, one shot. Uh, Chuetzel Eofor, who was in Twelve Years a Slave. Um, he was obviously going to be in uh, Doctor Strange, got cast and stuff, but apparently he's going to be playing Baron Mordo. Okay. So that's a role. That's again, I, I'm i going to keep doing this, because I, 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 I always worry I'm going to come off sounding really bad when I say this. I prefer if they cast people of the correct ethnicity for roles. I personally prefer that, but it doesn't bother me, because I look at it as a different universe. Um, like race changes in the in main universe comics pisses me off. Like I will never stop complaining about what Dan DiDio did to Wally West. Yeah. Um, and, but in the movies, it's a different universe. I'm fine with them casting it differently. You know, going with who they feel is the best actor. 
That being said, if I had a personal preference, yeah, I'd prefer them sticking with what the character looks like visually because comics are a very visual medium. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it bugs me, but it's it's not a big deal to me. I can see where you're coming I, yeah, from. Yeah, I guess though. that's what I'm trying to say. It's, I I don't understand. It's, I mean, it might come off like it's the biggest deal to me. It's not. I'll go. I mean, if it's good, it's good. I will. Not, I have no problem. It's not like I'm sitting here and boycott the film and write petitions and stuff. I just would prefer if it wasn't. You know, because I say this all the time. It's like you're not going to see someone casting fucking um, Jason Statham as Black Panther, as right. awesome as that would be. <laughs> I just want to hear Jason Statham say the word vibranium now. Just that. I, 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 I want to hear Jason Statham go, I'm the king of Wakanda. <laughs> I'm the king of Wakanda. <laughs> You know what I mean? So, I mean, it's like, it, the door can swing one way, but if you want to swing it the other way, then and then, then everyone loses their shit. And I don't like those double standards. Well, the, um, the rebuttal to that, and it's a fair rebuttal, is that, you know, um, it's, it is different replacing a white character with a black actor than it is replacing a black character with a white actor because of how underrepresented black characters are in general, both in comics and in movies and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. To me, a better argument is saying... Uh, let's get um, a Muslim girl to play Cassandra Cain. Yeah. It's not, you know, I wouldn't want that. You know, replacing a minority with a minority. Well, minority mm-hmm. in America. Fucking no one look at my words and try to pinch this. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, it, it, would, it'd be, it would be as screwed up for me to replace a minority with a minority. Mm-hmm. It's just fair enough. Um, uh, but yeah, Baron Mordo. Um, apparently, there it's gonna be. Uh, There's another problem. Apparently, all those stuff coming out about it saying that Baron Mordo is gonna be like an amalgamation of a few different characters. Oh, similar great. to the, like, they did Wish Whip, Whiplash and Iron Man Two. That turned out great. So I don't know why we we turned out perfectly. Want to do that again. Yeah. So I don't know. I thought if they're going that direction for villains, I'm sure him he can act. Him and uh, Cumberbatch can act well off each other and such. Um, I just, I don't know, maybe I thought Dormammu might be better to lead, lead in with. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing, so we'll see, I guess. Maybe they'll have Dormammu be the big bad of the next movie. Even though there's not another Doctor Strange slated. And there there probably like, will be another Doctor Strange movie. Yeah, there's just not one slated for, like, years after this one. Seriously. Like, that whole, like, timeline is really screwed. It seems like it screws things up really bad. Because mm-hmm. there's not another... Obviously, there's not another Iron Man film coming out. There's not... But then, at the same time, all these other uh, Marvel films are just an, are Avengers light. Yeah. Like, they have everybody in them, so what's the fucking point? Why, why even calling them uh, solo films? I don't know. Yeah, it's... I don't know what's going to be happening to Marvel. And I keep running into people that keep on saying Marvel's doing everything right and DC's doing everything wrong. And I try really hard to respect... Well, not respect. Tolerate their opinions. I, I totally agree. Uh, but, like, I don't fucking know. Like, they want generic shit, I guess. I don't know. That's I, fine. I listen to a podcast. Uh, I'll, I'll plug them because I like what they do normally. Uh, Geek Juice Radio has, a, has a, a podcast, and they did one where it's comparing the best and worst of Marvel, DC, Marvel and DC comics and movies and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was really just an hour and a half of them sucking Marvel's cock the entire time. They barely did anything. They were, like, shitting on everything DC-wise just because of Man of Steel. They aren't talking about anything else going on. They think everything's gonna be bad just because of Man of Steel. It's like, you, why are you comparing like like these twelve fucking Marvel movies and this huge thing they've done to the first film to of the one fucking movie? Yeah, yeah, you know, seriously. It's like, <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, it's it was the most one sided bullshit. Like, I was I was fuming. I was just trying to like, okay, that's that's okay, that's their opinion, whatever. But it's like, 
You guys are like the most one-sided bullshit I've ever seen. At least Ma- when we kind of shit on Marvel, we're trying to have both sides. They're like, yeah, it's okay, this or that. We have some positives. They're just like, yeah, Marvel's yeah. Dick. Uh, we, I definitely think we talk a lot of shit on Marvel, but I do also feel that we do talk a lot of positives about Marvel, especially the films that we like personally. Mm-hmm. And we, on the, I mean, we had more negatives than positives for Avengers two, but we still talked about stuff that we liked with that movie. Yeah, for sure. Um, whereas you know the pro Marvel anti DC is just everything in Man of Steel shit. Yeah. Um, my comic store guy, and I love him. He's a great comic store guy. You know, he he treats everyone in the store well. You know, he gets me stuff. Uh, he gets he goes out of his way to make sure that I get stuff that I'd be interested in. And you know, we can talk about stuff, and we never get into a fight. We never argue. But holy shit, he is hyper Marvel movie fanboy, and everything DC's doing is wrong, and it drives me nuts every single time it comes up. Yeah, uh, last time I was in, he was complaining about the Joker's look, and I said, you know, it's fine. You know, it's different. I just, I respect DC because they're letting all the directors do their own thing instead of making them all do the same thing, and I like that. Mm-hmm. And his and his response was, you know, the problem with DC is that they don't have a guy in charge. Marvel has that, and that's why Marvel's doing everything right. <laughs> and to me, I'm just like, that's exactly what I don't like about Marvel. <laughs> 100% what I think Marvel is doing wrong is by having Phage dictate the tone and character stuff so much. Yeah. Uh, and when they let a director do what they want to do, it's something stupid like the Mandarin being a fucking fart joke. Yeah. Instead of <laughs> this director being like, oh, I think, in, to me, the Joker is so full of himself that he's covering himself in his own trademark because this is a guy that has a poison that makes people look like him of course he's going to be vain i never thought about that's perfectly good good uh, rationale yeah especially because this is apparently joker after like 10 15 years or however long yeah you know it's not like fresh joker that's what i really like about the dc films coming out it's like everything's in media rest like in the middle things we're just going right into it there's no like oh we're gonna start everything and then build from here it's like nope we're just gonna you guys know all this shit let's just toss you in fuck it Yep. We're giving you what you want. Yep. Yeah, but of course people are going to complain about that. But anyway. Absolutely. Moving on, uh, I, I think we've been talking shit on Ant-Man a lot, because obviously we don't like the trailers, we don't like everything going into it. Uh, apparently Marvel has no faith in the film being, being able to work on its own. Like, all of the posters are just full of, from the studio that brought you the Avengers. And then it's, it's a picture of Ant-Man on top of someone else. Like, one, there's one reason, like, the shoulder of Iron Man, where you clearly see Iron Man in the shot. If it didn't say Ant-Man, you thought this was a teaser poster for the next Iron Man film. And Cap Same. Shield. Cap Shield, Thor's Hammer, all this shit. It's like... Yeah, first on. first the trailers are, uh, you're gonna be Ant-Man. Can I change the name? Wink, wink, because it's stupid. Tee-hee-hee-hee. Um, and now the posters are, uh, Avengers, right? Go see Ant-Man. Yeah. Um, and I don't. It's just, I don't have a lot of faith in this film. Um, they, you know, they dropped Edgar Wright for creative reasons, but then they kept his main plot anyway. So what the fuck is the point? Um, they. I'm a huge Ant Man fan, and I feel like the trailers keep shitting on the concept of Ant Man. Hank Pym is not the main character, so fuck it already. And uh, these posters are just like. I mean, I get the posters. It does make sense. You know, how are we gonna sell? this more off character to these people and i don't know they didn't fucking i mean they had tony stark show up in the incredible hulk but that was kind of just to emphasize the uh water universe thing it wasn't like the poster for hulk having a uh, hulk in the background out of focus of iron man in the front of it or the thor posters or trailers yeah all which to me was the thor. hardest sell of phase one you know mm-hmm. you know they, they sold it as thor you know fucking have ant-man be sold as ant-man jesus 
Whatever. It does make sense, but I think they're doing it way too much to the point where I'm laughing at it. Yeah, it's very clear. It, this seems like a studio that doesn't know how to sell a movie. Yeah. As much as I regret kind of saying all the stupid shit about Guardians, I think that's just purely because it seemed very uncertain. Mm-hmm. They at least sold it as, here's it, Guardians of the Galaxy. Everyone wants to talk about how uh, Marvel's like so so sure of themselves. It's like, here's this team that no one knew about. It's like, well, where's that for Ant-Man? Yeah. <laughs> Ant-Man is clearly trying to be sold on the shoulders of the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Not as not as its own thing. Which speaking of Age of Ultron, I wanted to put this out there. Avengers, I should say, uh, it's weird. Like it's already out of theaters here. Yep. I don't know if you noticed that. Mad Max is just now clicking over to the two showings a day. But like, this past week it was all like five, six showings a day. Now it's clicking over small. It's like I'm really surprised that Age of Ultron's out of theaters so quickly already. Avengers stuck around for a while. Avengers did, but Age of Ultron's like... Oof. No, but, but yeah, Age of Ultron's like, fuck it. I mean, yeah, it made big money up front, and, you know, it's definitely a success, but definitely don't think it has the lasting power of the other films. Nope. Iron Man 2. Yep. Uh, last bit of the Marvel news for this little block. Uh, so, Channing Tatum was cast to play Gambit. That's our, our already a terrible casting decision. Um, and so, I thought Gambit was just going to be in the next uh, X-Men film, the X-Men Apocalypse film. Nope. Apparently, it's, Gambit's not going to be in that at all. Gambit's, Gambit is just getting his own spinoff movie. That's Perfect. Be, directed by Rupert Wyatt. Perfect. Why bother having this new character show up in a movie that a bunch of people are going to be watching? I guess people have a lot of faith in Gambit. A lot of faith in Gambit. It's so strange. So strange. It is really strange, but whatever. Leave it, leave it at that. Whatever. All I know is I look forward to seeing uh, Channing Tatum try to pull off a, a Creole accent. <laughs> yeah. I hope to God it's not fucking French. Yeah, seriously. It's not French. It's not He's French. Creole. Get it right, motherfuckers. Motherfuckers. Uh, Ghostbusters remake news. Oh, I wanted to say this. Sorry. Um, uh, this kind of leads into last week's Nathan episode. I went and saw Spy. Oh yes, let's uh, mention Spy while we have a second. Uh, that 95% on Rotten Tomatoes, you know that? I, I, I don't agree at all. <laughs> I did not like Spy very much. What, I liked what, I liked Melissa McCarthy. Which I is good. I liked Jason Statham. I liked, actually, I will say I liked the majority of the actors, and I thought they were all really good. I did not like the script. I did not like Paul Feig's uh, directing, or writing, because he wrote the fucking script. <laughs> I hate how, everyone wants to say how great he, Melissa McCarthy is with him. I don't like it. Yeah, I agree. I don't like the way he writes the switch up because obviously, Melissa McCarthy can do the whole like sweet nice person and like I'm a you know hard ass dirty talk lady. You can just talk like a like an R rated you know sailor. Mm-hmm. And this movie has that, and I don't I don't like how Paul Feig does it. I don't like how he writes it. I just it's still full. I don't know. It did not click with me. I, I I say this. I don't. This is the only best way I can describe Spy. It's a mom movie. Okay. And it makes sense because guess what? My theater is full of moms, full of people in their mid mid to late thir- uh, yeah mid to late thirties, forties, fifties. It was that was the theater was just full of those people, and then me and Rachel. Perfect. And guess what? They loved it. They were laughing their asses off. Me and Rachel <laughs> were sitting there groaning because we we thought we found parts of it we did like and laughed at, but there were a lot of parts. So I was like, oh my god, this is no, please, this is not very good. This is very bad. Good to know. So I, I, I is a two and a half out of five, if you want to hear my score. Statham is great, and I like McCarthy a lot, obviously. The movie didn't try didn't do any fat joke type stuff. I really appreciate that. Oh, that's good. That's good. I appreciate least. that part, obviously, but everything else around it I didn't really care for. Mm-hmm. 
But uh, but yeah. So if if it's I guess when it ever shows up on Netflix or you can red box it for a dollar or shows up on cable or something, I guess check it out. Well, speaking of Statham. speaking of movies that are out right now, Jurassic World making infinite money. That's right. That's another thing I want to bring up. Yeah, Jurassic World. Uh, I'm thinking we've time a couple episode from two weeks ago. Uh, yeah, uh, it had the highest gross uh, highest grossing opening weekend of all time. Good for it. Both internationally and domestic, and if you can like for the total international domestic, it beats the last number highest by a huge margin. By a big chunk, yeah, yeah. I, th- I don't think <clears throat> people were expecting it to make over a half a billion dollars opening weekend. It was a fun, good movie. I agree. Yeah, and like like I've said, obviously, in my perfect world, Mad Max is the biggest movie of all time, but that's not going to happen because it's an R-rated great fucking action movie that's cerebral and makes you think a little bit while also not making you think at all because it's non-stop action. Perfect fucking movie. See it if you haven't yet. Um, but since that's not going to happen, Jurassic World absolutely deserve, deserves it. For sure. It, it, I think it's just a franchise that uh, everyone will see. So, But uh, sorry, we got sidetracked a little bit. Back to Ghostbusters news. Uh, apparently Emma Stone was set to be in Ghostbusters. She uh, turned it down after being all this franchise stuff of Spider-Man. Uh, and then from that, we got some uh, rumorings. Obviously, we'll take this a grain of salt of what the synopsis for the film's going to be. Um, I can read it. Uh, Kristen Wiig and McCarthy play a pair of unheralded authors who write a book posting that... Uh, yeah, p- p- positing? positing? I guess that's the word they want to use here. I can tell if it's misspelling or not. Yeah, ghosts are real. Flash forward a few years and Wig lands a prestigious teaching position at Columbia University... Uh, which is pretty sweet until her book resurfaces and she is laughed out of academia. Wig reunites with McCarthy and the, uh, and, uh, the other two proton pack packing. F- uh, whoever wrote this on a punch in the face. Uh, proton pack packing phantom wranglers and she gets some sweet revenge when ghosts invade Manhattan. She and her team have to save the world. That sounds like an extremely generic written on a piece of paper in five minutes plot for a Ghostbusters movie. Obviously it could change, and I hope it does, because it sounds like garbage. Especially when you have Dan Aykroyd saying that it's going to kind of tie in with the first two films, which makes no sense, because especially after the video game, after those three entities, uh, the world should pretty fucking know at this point that ghosts are real. Super real. (laughs) And then there was, like, pictures of uh, set photos from them starting because they started shooting. Nothing too interesting going on there. Um, One of them looks like the Egon, and the other two look like other characters. They look like something, all right. They look like something. One's a painter, it seems. Oh, nope, she's probably just a... That's just how she dressed. She's eccentric. Oh, she's eccentric. Great. So she is Winston. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, not... I mean, again, like... We've said our piece about that, I think. I just wanted to give an update on this news yeah. that's come out. I'm glad that Dan is excited about it, but... I just think Dan is happy that there's going to be another Ghostbusters movie, no matter what, because he's been trying mm-hmm. so hard for years, and I get that. You know, if I've been trying, if I have been trying to sell like Super Task Force uh, to like a company for years, and then suddenly Saban said, "Okay, let's let's make Super Task Force," and everything about it was dog shit, I would just be so happy that more people were going to know what, what Super Task Force was. <laughs> uh, so I looking at suppose. plus the check he's getting is probably great. Oh yeah, but again, like I really just think that the Dan Aykroyd, Ivan Ghostbusters, all male cast, and I put that in super quotes because who gives a fuck is going to be the better Ghostbusters movie. Yeah. Oh, and I guess it was confirmed that Chris Hemsworth is playing the receptionist for the Ghostbusters. 
I hope he talks like this. I uh, get it, get it, get it. He's probably a really like super hot guy, and he's the receptionist. Uh, I'm sure one of them is gonna be like, "Hey, baby, what's up?" Uh, I get it, because it's reversing. It's okay to do that. I guess I don't know. I don't know. I just don't like. I don't know. I don't like this film, and I always worry I'm gonna come out sounding sexist or misogynistic or some bullshit, which I'm obviously not. But everyone will take anything you say as that. It's like, no, I just. This doesn't sound good. <laughs> Again, you know, the the other Dan Aykroyd Ghostbusters movie is going to make more money because it's going to be a better film, and then people are going to say it made more money because everyone's sexist, when that's or not going to be the or, case. Or it makes less money because everyone thinks they have to go see the all-female one and then ignore that one, and then, I don't know, try to herald one just because it's something that's pandering to them. I don't know. Ugh. <sighs> I want that movie. I just want the movie to come out so I can see it to see if it's any good or not. I just every time every time I talk about it, I'm just kind of like, bleh. Yeah. This is nothing about this seems interesting to me, and especially after seeing Spy, I'm I'm just and getting infinitely less interested in that movie. <laughs> I Un- mean, understandable. Yeah. yeah. So speaking of great news, Kindergarten <laughs> uh, Cop is getting a remake. Thank God. Uh, directed by, um, oh sorry. Who is uh okay yeah so don don michael paul who uh will, will be directing he is known for half past dead who's your caddy oh. and jarhead 2 field of fire oh what's and he's working on a screenplay from american pie writer david h steinberg perfect so uh, oh yeah yeah it looks like it'll be likely a direct dvd movie what a shock what if they got jason statham to be uh the kindergarten cop my name is John Kimball, <laughs> and I love my car. I do a terrible statement. I just, I don't, all I know is I, I want to click into gravelly voice mode, but I don't know how to apply the British accent. To apply the accent with the gravelly voice. Oh, I, I can just do fuck you, Chad Chelios. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that that's going to be like a jingle all the way to where I think a studio is just got a script and then tossed Kindergarten Cop on top of that script. Or, yeah. or point, or I, point I break. Have, I am on record here saying I actually I did enjoy can, uh, uh, drink all the way too. I so. know. Maybe I'll maybe I'll feel some particular way. I meant I meant to out. say uh, point break because Jingle all the way too was by the same writer. Yeah. So it was actually meant to be a Jingle all the way too. That is not what I was trying to say. That's but, okay. Point break. Yes, where it's clearly yes. Yeah. I totally agree on that front. So. Uh, so that's something to look forward to. Another thing that, that's uh, going to be looking... Uh, Jesus Christ. Another thing to look forward to is that Michael Myers is coming back and Halloween returns. Yay. Uh, they announced that there will be two directors, uh, Marcus Dunstan and Patrick Melton, who uh, they worked before on The Collector and saw 3D, the final chapter. Um, here's, oh, here's a rumored plot. Shit, I didn't see this part. The now 18-year-old child of one of Myers' victims plays a central role along with the child of a cop who's long been obsessed with Myers' case. Even putting it before his own daughter, Myers is now on death row, and the two kids with their own personal vendettas against the killers sneak in to watch his execution. But when things go awry and Myers escapes, the pair, along with their friends, find themselves in the firing line. That sounds awful. (laughs) Yeah, it does. Why is Michael Myers on death row? What what continuity is this picking up from? 
Uh, probably, uh, don't fucking ask, motherfuckers. Who cares? It's a Halloween movie. Who cares about continuity? I guess, is this picking up from the end of four? Maybe. No, 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 no. End of five, because five is the one where they have him in jail before the weird cult of the thorn breaks him out. Mm, that's right, yeah, five. So maybe it's an alternate ending. All I know is it's the third, like, of the new series, and like, like Steve said to me before we recorded, it's not Season of the Witch remake, so what the fuck's going on? Um, yeah, yeah. If Michael Myers, here's what it should be. Michael Myers is on death row, uh, but even though he's just supposed to be a normal man, they, they're unable to kill him, so they decide to cryogenically freeze him, and then <laughs> Michael Myers wakes up thousands of years in the future and goes to space. And at some point, we'll get turned into Uber Uber Myers. That's the best way to take this franchise, because otherwise, this is gonna be shit. I agree. <laughs> I mean, let's do something different with it. This, like, if this synopsis is what they're going with. It sounds all fucking awful. Yes, and just call it Space Halloween. Don't even give it a cool title like Jason X had. Just straight up call it Space Halloween. No, they'll just call it Halloween. They'll just say, uh, "No, it'll be a uh, Michael Eleven, like Jason X, because <laughs> this will be the eleventh film in the Halloween franchise." Right. So. Fuck it, who cares? It sounds like garbage, uh, whatever. But in good news, I guess, uh, this is uh, interesting, I found out. Uh, apparently Rob Zombie is going to be helming a Groucho Marx biopic. Which I think sounds really cool and interesting. I do too. I think, I mean, obviously, some people might think it's weird, but if you've seen Re- Devil's Rejects, it's very clear that uh, yeah, Rob yeah. Zombie has a thing for the Marx Brothers. Yeah, he really does. So I think it's really cool. Apparently based on um, Steve Stoliar's memoir, Raised Eyebrows, My Years Inside Groucho's House. Mm-hmm. Which uh, details a lot of stuff about the Marx Brothers and things like that. So that, that sounds really cool. I hope to, I look forward to seeing where that goes. Uh, I think he is. Uh, I oh, think sorry, I think Rob is a very talented director, but he's not a very good writer sometimes. Yeah, I, from my understanding, um, um, Lords of Salem is a very shitty fucking script, but a very good looking movie. Mm-hmm. I think that's how it's been described to me. Yes, yeah. and that's that's the uh, that's the feeling I get with almost all of Rob's films. So. Except Devil's Rejects. I think Devil's Rejects oh, that is, script is, is, is great. I think that's his best film by far. And I, it, I need to go back and rewatch House of a Thousand Corpses. I think there's some things I like about it. I just, I think my I'm, memory still of it is, is it's basically like an uh, hour and a half long uh, music video. That's basically what it seems like. But I don't know how much of that was like studio editing. Well, I know he was shopping that movie around for a long time. I don't think it was studio editing because I know... He made the film, I think it was Universal wouldn't release it, so he had to basically work, like, I think he put out an album just to get money to buy back the film to then get released. Yeah, I mean, like, I remember that, that, that movie. in hell forever. It was. I remember the trailer for that coming out at least, like, two full years before the movie finally got a release. Yeah, like, on uh, the uh, old, uh, I remember this a lot, like, the Pitch Black DB, uh, VHS. Mm-hmm. The old Pitch Black VHS had a trailer on the, open, the opening trailers for... House of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah. <laughs> and it didn't come out for until years after the fact. Mm-hmm. Last bit of news here. Uh, some Star Wars news. Apparently Star Wars Rogue One, is ca- the cast has added uh, Forrest Whitaker to it. Uh, that's exciting. I love Forrest Whitaker quite a lot, so anything he's in, I'll be I'll be down for. Yeah. So I think I think that, that cast list is looking pretty good. So along with, uh, I think I believe Gareth Edwards is working on that one. It's funny, like, obviously Episode seven's coming out this year, but I'm actually really looking forward to seeing what they do with the anthology series. Yeah, because I think they're going to let uh, filmmakers get a little bit crazier with the uh, the side story stuff. That, I think that's the intended point, yeah. for sure. 
So I can't wait to see what the other filmmakers are doing with their visions. Because again, you know, the reason why the prequels are shit is because George Lucas's vision is terrible. Um, so let's get a bunch of talented people to take this universe and put their spin on it and make everything awesome. Yeah, I think I think that's what we're looking at going forward. Uh, what do you think? Uh, this is something I got po- posed um, on uh, I think on TV on 4chan a while back. Someone brought up the idea that maybe that Star Wars is special because each of the films when they came out were like big events. Mm-hmm. And that's why they led to such good success. Do you think the franchise and the the property of Star Wars is enough to support films coming out every year? Yeah, I mean, it's the... The films were in an event back then because we didn't have things like the internet and Netflix and shit. You know, so Mm -hmm. the big new Star Wars thing was an event. Now there's so much stuff that there's more media for Star Wars... You know, a lot of people are fans of Star Wars only because of the books or the comics or the extended universe or the video games or anything like that. Mm-hmm. You know, movies don't aren't always events anymore. They rarely are, and that's fine because they're different now. Um, so, yeah, in this world, you know, Star Wars has a lot of fans, and a lot of them are not specifically because of the original trilogy. So right. it's not every film is going to be a record breaker, I guarantee that, but I, they will all do well, I'm sure. Right on. Do you think, uh, this is the other question, like, I think Star Wars is going to be, I thought Star Wars would be the biggest money maker of the year, but then obviously Jurassic World came out. Do you think Star Wars is going to beat the, uh, beat the number, beat the $208 million number that uh, Jurassic World set? Uh, I think there's a chance, because it's coming out during a time when there's no other movies. Yeah, December 16th. <clears throat> um, uh, for the year, uh, Jurassic World will win simply because it's going to be out longer and have more time. <laughs> like... Uh, for the full year, Jurassic World, I think, will still be the winner because I don't think Star Wars will be able to catch up in the three weeks that it, that it's out. But when it, when it comes to opening weekend, I mean, that's that's a hard question because they're both, like, fa- I don't want to say family films because, you know, you think of PG, like, cartoons and stuff, um, but uh, films for the whole family. Uh, you know, they're in similar genres. They have action. They have comedy they have adventure they're both very similar films so that's really hard to say and kids I love dinosaurs say, and kids love space uh, even if it's fake it's bullshit true. fantasy space it's true but i, th- I don't know i probably thinks because of how i think amount of hype around it because like the prequels yeah obviously obviously phantom Miss was a huge deal because it was the first star wars film in so long yeah and stuff so that was a huge money maker obviously mm-hmm. i think this film has everything going for it to break the record purely because it's a new story it's not something it's not trying to build up to something we already knew mm-hmm. it's just t- it's now it's a continuing the story it's not george lucas i think a lot of people i think are really excited about that fact a lot of people are excited about that i mean even just off the first teaser trailer had everyone like losing their mind and then the second trailer again had every, i think I, I don't i think it has everything going for it to potentially make a lot of money. Yeah. I'm not certain, but I would not be surprised. I think, I, it's one of those things, I think it has higher percentages. Like, I never would have expected uh, Jurassic World. To make all of this money. money. No, I agree, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'd so say... Maybe, maybe we're wrong. I, maybe, I'd say I in mean, terms of potential, yeah, you're probably... Poten- when it comes to potential, yeah, Star Wars has the more potential, but Jurassic World blew us all away, so... It's true. So, yeah, I, re- I it's one of those things I just really look forward to the rest of the year. I just... Uh, because I don't think anything else is coming out. So I don't think Ant-Man, I don't think Fantastic Four, I don't think... I guess Hunger Games is coming out this summer, isn't it? 
Oh yeah, it is. That one will do well. That one may do well. I don't. I don't. Not Jurassic don't World know, or just, Star Wars well, but well. I don't know. I mean, really. I mean, those films have made a lot of money. Oh no, they made I, a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. I just mean that Jurassic World is making infinite money, and Star Wars is Star Wars. That's not a knock on Hunger Games. <laughs> That's just the competition that it's up against. That's true. I mean, I, I, I don't know. If, you know I, I, have to, I just have to look. I can't remember how much uh, Mockingjay Part 1. I think that was the, the last film. Yeah, that was the last one. I don't know. I, I, it's one of those things like, oh shit, they split it up. Because you can make a lot more money that way. <laughs> Even though one of your films infinitely suffers from it. <laughs> Which apparently the last one did, apparently. So that's that's I guess that's it for news. I, again, uh, I look forward to the rest of the year. I look forward to seeing who makes all the fucking money because a lot of it's coming. Yeah. So moving on to our topic today. Our topic today is uh, old versus new. Old versus or new. Versus new. Old or whatever. We look at one film, a classic, by many people's standards, and we look at the remake and see. And we talk about them and see which one is either better or which one's worse. Or know, if they're good for different thing. reasons or whatever. Uh, so today we're looking at The Evil Dead from 1981 and Evil Dead from 2013. Wonderful. Uh, we'll start right up here with The Evil Dead. Uh, directed by Sam Raimi, IMDb has this film as five friends travel to a cabin in the woods where they unknowingly release flesh-possessing demons. Flesh-possessing demons. Flesh-possessing demons. Okay. <laughs> well, Sounds about right. All right, so let's start talking about The Evil Dead. You, Steve, you're, you're, this is obviously a big franchise for you. Do you want to like start off like what you absolutely? Like, I mean, you know, Evil, about Evil Dead. Evil Dead is you know one of my favorite franchises. You know, Army Darkness is why I make fucking movies. You know, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> actually, I saw Army of Darkness first, as everyone knows. You know, I saw it on the Sci-Fi Channel. I think everyone did. Yeah, I really most people, really at least, did. at least, everyone. So at least around our age, for sure. Yeah, because I mean, everyone I talk to is always like, "Yeah, I used to watch Army of Darkness on Sci-Fi Channel all the time." Yeah. Um. So you know, that's what made me fall in love with the franchise. You know, and then as the years went on, then it got more of a cult following. So that's when the first two movies were getting like actual fucking DVD releases, you know, and v- or newer VHS releases. You know, this was even before I had a PS2, which was mm-hmm. most everyone's first DVD player. True. <laughs> our age. Again. Um. And that's when I swatched the other two films, and uh, Evil Dead 1 was very fucking different. Very fucking different. And then Evil Dead 2 was closer and great, and I loved Evil Dead 2 and Army Darkness, and I like Evil, the Evil Dead a lot, but of the three original films, the Evil Dead is my least favorite of them. And sometimes I get a lot of shit for that from some horror fans, Especially when I say that Army of Darkness is better than The Evil Dead, they lose their shit because that's not a horror film. So fuck that, you know. Um, uh, it's a horror comedy, and it still has good horror elements. Absolutely to it, so. does. Um, but, I mean, I agree totally. Yeah. With the, about the Evil Dead. Uh, so the, I mean, The Evil Dead. You know, I mean, it is a classic. You know, it's very, it's early Sam Raimi, and Sam Raimi is honestly one of my favorite directors. Mm-hmm. Um, and not including his Spider-Man films. We've gone over that. But, you know, he's a great director, and, you know, even though this film feels so different from the other two Evil Dead movies, or even a lot of other of Sam's movies, you, there's still a lot of Sam signatures in this, you know, there's a lot of great uh, things that he does with the camera, the whole evil force thing, which is clearly just like, oh, we can't afford to design this, so let's make the camera the first person perspective, but the way they do it is so fucking genius, and it works really well. That's, uh, yeah, if we want to get, like, into the film film parts of things... Uh, maybe just get some positives and things. Like, I think that's that's definitely my favorite thing about the film. And, and obviously, this is carries over to Evil Dead Two, but just 
the yeah the camera knocking over trees all the time like it it works really well just not seeing the big evil force because then you don't put a face on things yeah and there's a and there's a lot of great angles in the film the editing in the first movie is honestly really tight at times when it wants to be i mean (laughs) we'll get into there's some downtime but again you know it was made in fucking 1981 yeah well not like 1979 is when they made it and it took fucking years to edit um and you know it only had a budget of three hundred fifty thousand dollars which again you know to me that's a lot of money but sh- shooting on film, that's that's slightly higher than Captain Z money, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, after you take off the film costs, they didn't have much left over for everything else. Um, they, they, very, very, very clear when it gets to their makeup effects and sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. I do think that the makeup looks good, especially considering the budget that Tom Sullivan clearly had to work with, you know? Uh, so, you know, that's definitely a case of, like, hey, Tom, can you do this? And he's like, I got fucking, like, you gave me $10, Sam. What the fuck do you want? Uh, just do it, buddy. And then Tom <laughs> did something, and it looks great for what it is, but there's times where it really shows. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why the, um, the, the deadite in the, in the cellar is always, like, shot in the dark with a very late, light lighting on the top of the head. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't so you see a whole lot of that. Uh, character-wise, uh, I like Bruce Campbell as Ash. Obviously, mm-hmm. uh, but like, um, not obviously because especially in the first film, he's not the Ash that everyone knows. No, he's just a guy. Yes, but I like that, especially you know. Obviously, the twist failed on me because I saw Army of Darkness first. But mm-hmm. trying to take myself out of that, I love the idea that Sam built Scott to be built Scott up to be the hero, and then Scott dies, and the more yeah, Weasley I- side character now is the last one alive. Yeah, I mean, because, yeah, because if you go by, especially uh, late, you know, 70s, early 80s uh, horror standards, obviously a lot of times the, the women are survivors. That kind of cuts that out. And then you have these, two, between the two guys, Scott is the, like, tall, blonde hair, looks like a you know, good-looking guy. And he's killing he's dead the one He's the one trying to take initiative, do everything, and the Nash's character is just, I think, more realistic, like, for, you know, on things like, hey, wait a second, what are you talking about? What can't kill him what do, you, what, do you, what do you mean and yeah all this stuff and then he has to through the films kind of you know obviously step up and you know save his skin mm-hmm. um i really like cheryl uh asher's sister the lead mm-hmm. deadite um i don't care about her when she's a human but as a deadite i thought she was fantastic yeah certainly some pretty good scenes with her um uh... That's kind of it, you know. I like I like Scott again, but we were just talking about that. I like Ash, and I like Cheryl. I don't care much for Linda or uh, Shelley. Shelley, I, yeah. th- I mean, they're just kind of generic. But whatever. I guess. Um, that- I guess uh, Linda, when she becomes possessed and she's just sitting around laughing hysterically all the time and stuff, some of that stuff looks okay. No, you like, know what? Yeah, yeah. Well. Linda's a dead eye is also great, especially because she's a different. She's very different from what Cheryl is. Mm-hmm. And Shelley was too, but again, I just Shelley wasn't didn't have much time to do anything. As soon as she turned, is pretty much when she got chopped up. Yeah, for sure. Um, and other stuff like some of the shots, I like. I like it's it's it, obviously we're gonna it might jump around a little in comparison with some things, but I like the scene where uh, Ash takes um, <coughs> takes Linda to the shed to cut her up, and then just doesn't. Yeah, like the the shot, the shooting of it when he's like locking her down and stuff is really good. But it, the problem is, it doesn't really go anywhere. At least in Evil Dead Two, it actually has a res- resolution to it, and he actually you know does what he needs to do and actually cuts her up. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that that was I, I don't know. It's well, I mean, the payoff was that since he didn't cut her up, she did come back, and then he had to cut off her head. Uh, yeah. 
So there was something. Not Fair as enough. much of a payoff as Evil Dead 2. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure that might be uh, budgetary reasons. No, for sure. Um, but the, sh- the whole shot of it, he'll turn light of like the, the the dread of him having to like chain her down and stuff. It works. Yeah. It's just uh, then he has to. I love that the entire him. last like thirty minutes of the movie is just Ash dealing with everything by himself. Hmm. Very well done. And that's where I guess I will say like I like the special effect. I mean, when I said stuff before, I don't. I think the makeup sometimes doesn't look very good, but like. Some of the special effects stuff with like the uh, the pipe blasting blood all over Ash, or obviously um, decapitations, dismemberments. Those parts, for the most part, look okay. Obviously, again, we have to take into account the budget yeah. that they had. I think they're pretty good. And I, honestly, it looks about on average for what you'd expect for a low budget horror film at the time. Mm-hmm. Like clearly a dummy that's being you know bleeding everywhere or something like that. And so it doesn't look, it, it doesn't look that awful. I think what gets me sometimes is like. It's very clear. It's very clear that it's a proje- it's a screen with a projector that has the moon on it. Yeah, very clear. Like it, very clear and things like that. And this is what gets me kind of. I, I mean, I, I, we're all, I mean, we'll probably just kick off into negatives now, I suppose. Um, I think it's rather dumb that. Let's be honest. I think we both agree. That we don't. This, at least in my opinion, I don't like this film very much. I think it drags a lot and all these other things. I don't think it's that great. But the horror community is like, it's like, this is a five-star classic. You know, amazing film, amazing this, amazing everything. What gets me is that, in the, especially in the horror community and, like, uh, film community, like, people will shit on cheesy, cheap, like, 50s B-movies. Yeah. And it's like, but the but for, for some reason, Evil Dead, even though it's a cheesy, cheap, like, you know, horror film from the 80s, it's apparently perfectly fine to... To, to herald that and say this is the best, and a lot of the same Even people it, will shit on modern, like independent movies made with similar budgets, except shot on digital instead of film, that are yeah. exactly the same level of like cheese and quality, but then praise the Evil Dead. Yeah, and that really kind of pisses me off. I mean, I'm not sitting here trying to say everyone should love '50s B movies, but it's it's very hypocritical to say those are cheesy and laughable and terrible, but for, then go back and say, oh, but the Evil Dead. It's amazing. <clears throat> yeah, uh, like yeah. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, because uh, a lot of the ho- some of the horror work, some of it doesn't. You know, there's some there's some scenes that really get to you, and then there's scenes that like are simultaneously effective but also hilarious because of how they look, like the tree rape scene. Mm-hmm. Like I get like Sam's purpose of that is just like to raise the bar. Like if we're doing fucking this, then anything can go, and I get that. But then it's so hilarious, and I shouldn't be laughing at a rape scene. I don't think it's intent. I think the film is very unintentional in some parts. Yes. I swear. I think that's the case. Like it's just because it's such a cheap, cheesy shit movie in some parts. I think it just—it's hard to be taken seriously. Yeah, it's it's very slow. Um, the entire concept yeah. of these five kids finding a cabin that they don't have any right to be in, and then just fucking moving in oh, for the week is no, insane. They talk, they talk about that in the beginning. Like apparently they rent this—they rented this cabin from somebody, and that's when they get there. They find the key and stuff because like they're going there for a reason. Because he talks about how um, Scott does, like they're driving up there on purpose, like to to, to go to this cabin. Yeah, I, I don't remember them saying that they were renting it though. I I, sw- I swear I remember hearing that in the beginning of the film, like they were just going out there, like you know, like in most films of this time period, they're just going to a cabin in the woods for the re- weekend, have a good time. I mean, you like, might you might be right. You might be right. It, it was. I mean, they. It's like one sentence. Whether I'm yeah, right or you're right, it's early in the film, so if you missed that, then that's obvious. But that's why he knew to reach up for the key and stuff, and then knew it'd be one of them and stuff. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just like them randomly going there because why would they randomly cross a dangerous bridge and everything to go to this cabin that they don't know it's there? Oh no, I mean I knew that they knew that it's there. 
but not oh. that they're like legally there. Yeah, I, I, I from the beginning of the film, it, uh, there's a line where it's yeah, it sounds like it's a completely legal, completely fine thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. But anyway. Uh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah. Very slow film. I don't care at all about Act One, at all. Same. Uh, Cheryl's transformation with the cards is hilarious, and it's not supposed to be. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think it is. Like, obviously, Evil Dead Two gets more goofy. Like, it's meant to be funny. And I mean, while well, also having some horror elements, but Evil Dead, I think, is really supposed to be taken seriously. And it's I mean, there's stand. parts of the the Evil Dead that are clearly more tongue in cheek, and there's moments that are supposed to be a little bit more wacky and funny. But Sam was definitely trying to make a legitimate horror film in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't always work. And like I said, sometimes it does, and it's very effective, but most of the times it doesn't. Um, I and just, uh, I just get, I, I get bored when I watch the film. I do too. Like, I, I was sitting there, I was starting to get, get tired, like, like wanted to go to sleep. It's very, it's not a very long movie, but the pacing is not the best. The pacing makes it feel like it's two hours long and it's 85 minutes. Yeah, there's just, I mean, I, I, I sort of someone could come back and say, or oh, there's ADD wrote it, and you need like, like three second cuts, like modern movies. Like, no, I'm not saying that at all. It's like, there's just nothing happening mm-hmm. in the movie. I, I'm, I, trust me, I love like movies like Phantasm. I love plenty of older horror films that build atmosphere and build suspense. Yeah, Phantasm is one of my favorite horror movies of all time. The Evil Dead doesn't do that. It's just like scenes where people are just doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing there to help build anything. It's just people walking around, people just doing nothing for lots of like scopes of things. Yeah. And it's just, it's just, it's hard to sit through. And then, obviously, it picks up in the last maybe 30 minutes, 20, 30 minutes of the film. Yeah, Act 3 is great. Yeah, but everything leading up to it is just like a drag. Yeah, and, I, you know, I've read so many books on, like, them making the film, and, you know, it's... I read a lot of stuff that really rings true with me as another indie filmmaker, and, you know, a lot of the shit that they went through, and I respect that, and I think that's great, and, you know, these guys put, you know, what is relatively a very small amount of money together to shoot this horror film, you know on fucking film, which is insane, <laughs> with the amount of money that they had, and, you know, they got it done and released, and, you know, it is a cohesive film, and I'm not gonna knock the hard work, but as a final product, not a big fan. Yeah, I can respect work and still think a movie should. Yeah, absolutely. Like, every movie takes work. It's a miracle most movies even get made in the first place. Yeah, seriously. So it's easy to respect all that, but yeah, it's just because just you, you worked really hard doesn't mean... I mean, you get a gold star for effort, but... Yeah, and Sam Otherwise, learned a lot of re- yeah. and Sam learned a lot of really important lessons on e- on the Evil Dead, which is what helped make the Evil Dead two so good, and a lot Absolutely. of his other following films. You know, he learned a lot of hard lessons on the Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, the Evil Dead was kind of the uh, the tester. Yeah, and it's uh, for sure that. So uh, I guess I don't know if I have anything else really to mention about the film. I like to have the film. Um ends with the whole ending like, oh, yeah, I am Ash I lived it's daylight then all of a sudden nope yeah <laughs> the, the Sumerian demon just busts through the house and gets him and the movie ends yep absolutely yep. I think that's a great uh, downer ending and uh, <clears throat> yeah and I enjoy the little little easter egg of the uh, music for the end credits also dying because everything dies in the movie yeah <laughs> for sure so, uh, I guess, uh, you ready, you ready to move on to the 2013 films? Do you want to rate this one? Uh, yeah, let's go ahead and just do a mid, mid, uh, mid talk rating. Uh, I, I think I gave, uh, I think I'd give it maybe, 
I'm teetering between two and a half and three. Like, there's a lot of things I like. See, I'd give it a three film, because as much as I don't like it, it's not that bad of a film, and it, and it does enough and it does enough right. Because to me, a two and a half is like like a starting to be a bad movie, and I don't like this, but yeah. this isn't that bad of a movie. It's just boring. Yeah, boring movies really hurt me. No, I that understand. Me, that, that hurts my scores a lot. That's why I was leaning towards two and a half. That's, but you know what? I I think. I think I gave it a three because there's still some things in the final act I like. I like the stop motion animation for them all melting and stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of things to go with. I think yeah, three. Three is our, my my my. Without the final right act, I'd agree on two and a half. But the final act is so good all around that that brings it up for me. Yeah, it definitely pulls it out of the water, and, and obviously from the final act, it gives you. I think the if, especially when you see Evil Dead Two, I think the final act is very more indicative of what we'd see at the whole of Evil Dead Two. Mm-hmm. And I and if fuck anyone. Just the side note: fuck anyone that calls Evil Dead Two a remake. You're a fucking idiot. No, it's not a remake. No, the first he, Sam had to reshoot scenes from the first movie because he couldn't get the rights to make a montage from the first movie. Exactly. It's not a remake. If, if you, the way you're supposed to watch these movies is as soon as Ash gets hit by the Force in Evil Dead One is right when you cut to Evil Dead Two after Ash gets hit with the Force. Yeah, and he's, like, spinning and going through the woods. Yeah, all of his friends were there and died. Sam just didn't want to waste time hiring four more actors and shooting all those scenes with four more actors for a montage intro. Yeah, he just basically did, like, a quick summary episode. Like, here's his girlfriend, he kills her, blah, blah, blah. It's a quick recap, yeah. Yeah, The way the story works is how the Evil Dead musical works. Basically, Evil Dead 1 and 2 are one story in the first half. Day 1 is Ash's friends dying, and day 2 is when Annie and friends show up. Mm Mm-hmm. For sure. So uh, I guess we'll um, move on to Evil Dead from 2013, uh, directed by Feed Alvarez. Feedy. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not trying to pronounce it either. Uh, Five friends head to a remote cabin where the discovery of a book of the dead leads to leads them to unwittingly summon up demons living in the nearby woods. The evil presence possesses them until only one is left to fight for survival. Oh, I like that the synopsis does not say who is left. Nope. Good. Uh, more specifically, I like, I, and I guess this cover, uh, will cover up the kind of problem of uh, the Evil Dead. Like, we actually know why they're going to a cabin in the woods, because the um, kind of lead, in a way, Mia. Uh, Mia, played by Jane Le- Jane Levy, is apparently a drug addict, so this is all of them coming out to a cabin in the woods, you know, very remote location to try to help her go cold turkey. Yeah. Um, but before we get to the main plot, I love the prologue of the film. Yes, the prologue is a great fucking tone setter. For sure. I love how it's just like, you see this girl in the woods, you're getting kidnapped, you don't know what's going on. Oh, she has a demon in her. I I, I guess my only... But it kind of fits well with some of the, the... How the series has had the Deadites, where it's like they are kind of snarky assholes. But I think some of the problems... Sometimes the problem is it's too easy to, to um, uh, relate it to... to um, um, uh, What's what's her name in Exorcist? Um, oh yeah, 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 the Exorcist chick. I know Linda Blair, but I you mean, mean the character? The, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ray, Raiden, Raiden. I'm, I'm sorry if I'm, I'm I'm sure people are screaming game pass. I'm sorry. Know, that, that, to me, the best Exorcist movie is Repossessed. <laughs> Cute. <laughs> um, but you know, it's that thing of like dirty talk and all that stuff. But I think there's still enough like tongue in cheek silliness to the Deadites and that, and that, especially in the prologue where it's still perfectly fine. Yes. So, but anyway, they like how it leads up. Like, yep, and he says, demon on fire, and then uh, gets get shot in the head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, um, so yeah, but then, then we, yeah, we obviously get into the actual 
plot of the film where there's Mia, her brother David, uh, David's girlfriend Natalie. And David is Eric, built who, up to be Ash. Yeah, David is in this film is definitely built to be like the Ash character. He's got a blue shirt and everything. Yes. Uh, Eric, who is a teacher, one of their friends, and Olivia, who's a nurse, another one of their friends who's helping them. Um, obviously, they're all there to help uh, Mia kick the habit, kick it cold turkey. Of heroin. Of heroin uh, and all that stuff. So I like that whole, and I like how it creates a cover. Um, so I mean, obviously, if you know, they find the Book of the Dead. Yep. <laughs> they obviously, you know, uh, I like how they find it in a basement. There's dead cats everywhere. And that book <laughs> they is find sealed. It wrapped and they find it wrapped in barbed wire and a uh, garbage bag. Mm-hmm. And Eric uh, cuts it open and reads it, even though the book is very clearly <laughs> telling him not to read it. Do not read this. I, I love that. Uh, um, he reads the book, summons a demon. Mia gets t- gets possessed, but everyone's kind of not believing her. Believing because she's a crazy drug they, addict. She, exactly, they think she's just trying to get out of you know kicking the and everything. Makes total sense. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, it works really well. And then obviously the film goes from there, and bad things start happening. Bad things start happening. <laughs> Mia gets raped by trees, and it's not hilarious. No, it is very. Well done this time around. It cannot be taken. It's taken very seriously. Very seriously. Uh, so yeah, I mean, do you just want to kind of get into it, or? Yeah, we can get into it. Uh, I uh, I think I'll just say it right now. I think I think Evil Dead is much much better than the Evil Dead. I completely agree. I know that might be a better thing to save for the end when we give a final review, but I just gotta lead with it. Spoilers. I think it's a better movie. <laughs> uh, no, I completely agree. I think everything's done better. It's better made. You know. Um, and you know, a part of that is because you know this movie is not a tester like the Evil Dead was. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I compare this to Evil Dead Two, I think Evil Dead Two is better. But that's not what we're doing. We're comparing it to the first Evil Dead, and this movie vastly outshines the first Evil Dead. It does literally everything better. The characters are better. The plot's better. The pacing is so much better. I like I, I equally don't care about Act One of this movie. But this act one goes by in a fucking heartbeat by comparison. Mm-hmm. It's actually doing what I like when horror films do. They set up characters, make me get to know them a bit better. And I like most of them. I they, I do too. They aren't all assholes. No, it doesn't follow those like tropes of just you know archetypes. It's like here's some people who are trying to help their friend, and through trying to help their friend, everyone dies. Yep. I, I thought that was an. Int- I like that whole aspect of the film as well. Um, obviously, the special effects are better. I mean, that's just going to be yeah, given because they have more money. Yeah, yeah. yeah, more money, that's going to happen. And I will, um, this is what I praise the film still, To ever since I saw it in theaters when it came out. Uh, there is real blood in this movie. Yes. Lots of real blood. Yep. So much so, it rains blood. Fantastic. When you compare it to mo- most modern horror films who have CG blood, as if their actors and actresses can't be bothered to get dirty. Yeah, seriously. This film fucking goes for it goes for it and it i don't think it got nearly enough credit for that no it didn't it really didn't um and yeah so uh let's talk a little bit about the characters then we'll talk yeah, about then sure. we'll talk about uh scenes and set pieces that we really liked yeah we can definitely do that. um i think that um uh jane levy or levy uh who plays mia did a fantastic job in the film mm-hmm. <clears throat> um you know opening the film being a fucking junkie then being someone who is going through fucking remission because, uh, sorry guys, uh, heroin cold turkey, that's a terrible idea. 
She needs yeah. she needs that drug that is like heroin but doesn't give you the high. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, then getting going, starting to be possessed with no believing her, and then being a fantastic deadite. Holy shit, she's one of my favorite deadites from the entire franchise. Sure. Some of the best lines, she's hilarious, and anyone that says this movie isn't funny, if you don't laugh at her saying, come down here so I can suck your cock to her brother, we can't be friends. <laughs> it's pretty silly and funny, I like it. Yeah. I like, um, all the, yeah, all the time when they finally get her locked in the cellar and stuff, she's like, looking at, um, which one was it? I believe it was uh, Natalie, who was David's girlfriend, as she's like cut, doing the whole, kind of a nod to Evil Dead 2, where she's having to cut off her arm mm-hmm. to stop the like demonic infection, and she's like, no, 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 do that, all this other stuff. Like, yeah, she fucking do like it? <laughs> <laughs> she's definitely, yeah, totally going for it and doing great stuff. And then uh, coming back again to become the actual Ash of this universe. And yeah. she fucking sold that. I believe her with that, too. Like, she really did that well. Mm. She was just tired of all this shit. Like, she had the Ash transformation without being as, like, weaselly. She yeah. went from, I can't deal with this, to, fuck it! Fuck you! I put a chainsaw on my fucking stump! It's fucking, fuck you! Yeah. Uh... Um, obviously, and I mean, I, the film will follow some similar progressions. There's, there's a lot of good nods. I love that uh, Sam Raimi's cars and absolutely. So that was fun. Obviously, the um, I, I I don't know about location. I don't know if it's the same house. Obviously, it's probably it's not, not it because that burned down years ago. Yeah, I, I thought so. I just, I, but but the, obviously, they did very they're very good about constructing a house that looks just like the one from the previous films. Um, it looked fantastic. I really uh, David was fantastic in the film. He was, and he, he, he and it's funny because obviously the swerve at the end where they switch things. Uh, David through his film is very much like Ash from the first film. It, it's leading you to believe that he is going to be the Ash of this film and this this new, I guess, I don't know, franchise series. Mm-hmm. But it's like no, no, he's not. He's, he he displays his characteristics, but by the end, he's he you know does die, and mm-hmm. Mia takes over that role. So it's a very good good um, change up mm-hmm. on that. Uh, the teacher guy that fucks up with the book. Yeah. I love him simply because I feel so bad for him. I was just saying, I feel the same way. Um, it starts right off the bat when um, Mia like vomits blood all over Olivia, yeah, the nurse character, and then she goes into the bathroom and then starts cutting up herself. He comes in to investigate. And she stabs him, starts stabbing him in like the face of a syringe. Yeah, so much of it breaks off. He has to, like smash her head in with a toilet seat cover, like everything. And he bad. pulls out the needle out of his eye, and then he gets yeah. shot with the the fucking staple gun and the fucking. And then, and then when um, Natalie's possessed, she's hit him with a crowbar. He puts his hand up, he gets his hand like split in half by the crowbar hitting yeah. him. Yeah, it's like, man, he is just getting wrecked. But you know what? In a way, he's the one who read the book. He deserves it. So as much as I feel bad for him getting like uh, so many bad things happening to him, he brought it on himself. He did. He absolutely. <laughs> in did. a way, the book kept trying to tell him, "Don't read this book." What'd you fucking do? Um. Uh, any other characters you want to point out, or you want to start getting into like scenes and ideas and stuff? Um, uh, character stories. I like Natalie. I like she's likable enough. I actually really like her when she gets possessed. Mm-hmm. Like her movement, everything. It's very you know, like when the way she's moving when she's hitting people with the crowbar is like feels so stiff and robotic. Yes, it feels unnatural. Yeah, exactly. Unnatural. It looks great. I love yes. it. Yes, and like obviously when um. <laughs> What is it? What happened? Oh, he shoots off her arm? Yeah, when when uh, David blows her arm off, she's just walking towards him, blood dripping, spilling everywhere. Yeah. 
obviously switching back to the human mode, like everyone, like the demons do, to try to trick people yes. all the time and things. So I, I yeah, I, I, like I said, like I like all the actors, like all the characters, quite a bit. <clears throat> and I feel like the film does a better job with the deadite stuff than than mm-hmm. Evil Dead, than the Evil Dead. Um, but yeah, we can move on to more specific scenes. Um, of course. Other things that I, one thing that I really liked was the. Uh, uh, Eric immediately tries to burn the book. Like, the thing yeah. that ends the Evil Dead is the first thing Eric tries and it doesn't work in this universe. Nope. And I liked that a lot. Yeah, I did too, for sure. Um, a lot of the violence was fantastic. Like you said, the blood. Yeah. Everywhere. Real blood. Real fake... Oh, I guess I say real fake blood. But you know what I mean? Like, actual something there. Yeah. Not CG blood, not CG blood splatters. Now, it's obviously there's some you know, some CG work in the film, but a lot of it's practicals, and it looks great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of a so, lot of good scenes in this. Like it's hard to yeah to say. I like the um, I guess the first scene after Nia gets possessed, she's taking the shower and she turns all the hot water over and starts like burning herself. I like the the, the effects work with adding all the blisters and stuff to her body looked really good. Mm-hmm. And. Um, I think other stuff I liked. Uh, obviously, like, I think when we get into it, some of those films, like every, there's a lot of just a lot of things to like. There's a lot of things the, that this film does right. Absolutely, it builds suspense really well. It builds atmosphere really well. I think I, it does uh, the Sam Raimi quick cutting edit stuff. Yeah, and there's lots of good Dutch angle edit things. Very Sam. There's a lot of things that this director is obviously trying to be very reminiscent of the series. Obviously, try to shoot it. This is a rem- This is one of those remakes that's done, that's done in the right way, where it still it feels like the Evil Dead, but it does its own thing to have a reason to exist. Yeah, absolutely, like obviously the director clearly has a, uh, a flair for Sam Raimi's style, but it's still different enough to have it to be its own thing. And also, it's another modern horror film that doesn't have jump scares. Yes. Or if, or I mean, how do you think if there even even is any? There may be one or two, but they're deserved. It's not like silence, music sting. There's a cat. No, yeah. <laughs> There's none of that. It's everything's well deserved. Ter- it's well deserved, well paced, well crafted horror where everything builds. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I again, I, I'll, I'll keep saying this entire review. I think I really appreciate that because modern horror doesn't do that. It was this film, and then it follows. I went and saw it follows. It follows is fucking incredible because it knows how to build atmosphere, knows how to build suspense and build horror. Most again, I always say this because I don't see many, I don't bother most modern horror because a lot of it. Once I do find out, go and see, they're, they're shit. They don't, they don't do anything right, yeah. in my opinion. Completely agree. And so I, I don't... and I, I don't know why people should on this film. <laughs> I don't know if it's because people want it... When they think Evil Dead, they think Evil Dead 2. That's probably what it is. I, I've, I've said that since the film came out, because a lot of people are like, Oh, Evil Dead 2, this movie sucks, blah, 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 blah. And as we just got done saying, The Evil Dead... What do you think that movie is? Because this movie is better. Yeah. Uh, do you want to get into some negatives with this one? Uh, yeah, if you want to lead the way, because I'm sitting here trying to think of some, and I'm, it does not a lot comes to mind. I'm sure there are uh, some, but for I mean, me, I, I kind of for, pass on. Uh, for me, uh, the abomination feels like a major letdown. You think so? Yeah, because it's. I mean, I get that they were going for like an evil Ash type deal, like a kind of an Army of Darkness type um, homage, but. Mm-hmm. I know, it's just the the film is building up to this abomination that's going to rain hell down upon the earth, and it's just a kind of copy of Mia, and then she's able to defeat it with just a chainsaw, and it just feels I like, like... I liked it. I mean, I, I liked the scene, but I just mean the uh, creature and the concept of what it was built up to be. 
Like, well, Rotten Apple had an Evil Dead 2, and again, we're comparing it to Evil Dead 2, not the Evil Dead, sorry guys. But the Rotten Apple had actually been the physical manifestation of the evil. I mean, it kind of looks silly, but it's fucking bringing the woods to life, and it's this fucking huge, otherworldly, like, almost Lovecraftian concept of something okay. you can't wrap your mind around that is a, an absolutely an otherworldly force, whereas this just kind of felt like a... Like a... I don't want to say like a Jason Voorhees, Michael Myers, but it was just like a singular entity that you can kill, and that's what happened. It just it just felt way less threatening than what the book and the movie was making me believe it to be. I gotcha. I think I agree with you, but at the same time, I think it might be one of those cases where, where they went with it and how they ended the film, I think, cleans up all that, and so I'm like, I'm perfectly... Oh, no, yeah, it cleaned it up. End. It cleaned it up. Please don't get me wrong. <laughs> no, no, I, I see... I, I, that's what I'm saying. You know, I, I see your point for sure, like how it's very different, but at the same time... Um, I guess in universe, like the book, the Necron, I guess we'll call it Necronomicon. It's the fucking Necronomicon, yeah. They don't really call it that, but we'll call it that. I think in the book, it's it's detailing everything, and that's what's showing. And I guess in universe of what this particular version of the book says is going to come, like you get this entity that obviously t- when it touches Mia, it's burning her skin. Mm-hmm. I mean, it has intense strength, and yeah, I guess. Taking a chainsaw to the face is kind of still lame. It kills it, but at the same time, it's a good payoff. I guess. No, it's a great payoff, but yeah, it's just that, like I, I, if, the, I, I, if Rotten Applehead didn't get sucked back in time, um, I think Earth could have been fucked. If uh, the abomination killed Mia, it was going to go to the next town and get shot by cops, and that was going to be that. That's true. Um, that's true. And I think the only maybe, maybe that's the payoff. Like, hey, here's this ultimate evil. But it's not as it's. Uh, I'm trying to. Think, well, that uh, if it, if they were going for that, I would think that's hilarious because I always get into arguments with people that call like the Lovecraftian old ones gods because they're yeah. just they're just aliens that humans called gods, you know. Yeah. So I would be totally okay if like this a- these ancient people were writing about this uh, un you know this abomination that can't be stopped and it's because it couldn't be stopped because they wrote about it 500 years ago when all they had were swords, <laughs> and now with modern technology they ain't shit. Yeah, and I think that's what I, that, I think that's the point. It's like here's this ancient evil. It's not as strong as you think it would be. If that's what they were going for, then I love it. It has good strength and like has burns to touch, but it can't it can't withstand a chainsaw yeah. in the face. I, I think I really feel like that's the intended purpose. That's not how I took it, but if that is, then that then I would take away that criticism. Yeah, that, that's how I interpreted it. Obviously, it might be one of those things that wasn't as well defined. But then again, maybe it's left open mm-hmm. in some regards. Like maybe they just didn't think to ex- super explain it super well. But I took it as like that's one of those funny moments where I'm, I'm trying to remember. Like for some reason, I just can't think of an example right. I know there are some, but you know it happens in films a lot where you get this thing that's super built up of being this super badass evil thing, and then it just dies immediately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess it's it's Iron Man too. Whiplash yeah. shows up and then just dies. <laughs> Abomination is and a better villain wh- than Whiplash. While in that film, it it pissed me off because they build up Mickey Rourke's character a lot. This one, it's like here it is. Here's the evil dead. Here's the the evil dead. Yeah. The evil abomination. Here's the thing. It just dies. Yeah. Um, another uh, a downside with me, and it's not, and it's a subjective downside, um, is that I was lit down that Mia was the only dead-eyed with a voice. And I get that not every single Deadite is the wisecracking Deadite, but everyone else talked in the previous films, and this is a different universe, doesn't have to follow the same rules. It was just a bit of a letdown. Yeah, everyone else kind of just turns and either doesn't doesn't say anything or transforms back to a human. But yeah, like uh, Mia... I'm oh, sorry, Olivia. Sorry. Olivia just cuts her face up. Um, 
Natalie kind of transforms to human, beats up stuff, and then Eric just kills stuff. Mm-hmm. Eric, Eric has a bit of a voice, modulated voice, but not much. Not as much as Mia. Mia, but I think at the same time, Mia had more time to pester and yeah, they, you know, mess with people. Everyone else was pretty much like, I'm turned, now I'm doing mm-hmm. stuff. It wasn't enough. But I, I totally, totally see that criticism, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and this isn't really a criticism. This is one of those like nerdy nitpicks, so this does not affect my score or my opinion of the film at all. Mm-hmm. The whole Necronomicon saying, you know, we have to claim five souls, and then the abomination rises. Mia coming back to life, I feel, shouldn't count. Because otherwise it's more like, uh, the Evil Dead must temporarily claim five souls, and if you get your soul back, then it still counts. Fuck you. It just, I, I it just that. seemed weird. Like yeah, it, it seemed weird to me. Like because I thought the movie was gonna do the thing where like, oh fuck, they're all dead. But then she comes back to life and like, oh, just kidding. Now the abomination can't rise because only four of them are dead. But it's still mm-hmm. rose. It just again that was a nerdy nitpick. Bullshit doesn't really count. It it, it, it absorbed some of her soul power, and that counted toward that counted in the in the books world, and just because she died and came back. It still had that credit. Yep. Just like Shang Tsung. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a tax credit. You yeah, know? absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Actually, I, that reminds me. I really like David. How he's just jerry rigging everything. Yes. It's like I can't sew you up. Uh, here's this. Here's some duct tape. And then it comes to making the, um, the, the 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 shock paddles. It's like nope. Just take some syringes and a car battery. Yep. A voltmeter. <laughs> See if this works. <laughs> he was works. Tim the Toolman Taylor. Yeah, which I guess I kind of said because he works at a garage and stuff, so he has some idea of how this stuff yeah. works. And stuff, so I really appreciate it. Uh, were you able to think of and any I, negatives? I, it's fine if you don't. It's <laughs> shot, it shot the color palette, maybe, because it's, it's colored and looks like a modern horror film, or it's kind of drab. Yeah. But you know what? It gets it right when it comes to the, the blood. It's bright it red. It is bright red. Oh, another pro that I forgot to mention. This film has the best post credit scene that means fucking nothing. <laughs> I waited in the theater. I'm like, where's Bruce Campbell? They said Bruce Campbell's going to be in this at the end. Groovy. Fucking <gasps> the entire theater went nuts. <laughs> Everyone lost no, their mind. My theater, it was just me and Rachel. Oh, okay. I saw it with, uh, I mean, it wasn't a full theater, but it was like decent. And they were uh-huh. a semi younger crowd, so I didn't think they would care. But of the ones that stayed, everyone went, yeah! and it's just Bruce Campbell saying the word groovy and looking at us. And you know what? Yeah. <laughs> Who cares? It was amazing. I loved it. It was amazing. I was just like, oh, is that that's it? I would have preferred if because I think I think we can move on to little other things with this film. I think they were talking about making this a shared universe with the other films uh, and having Mia and Ash team up. I talked uh, to Tom Sullivan, uh, who mm-hmm. is uh, the makeup guy from The Evil Dead, uh, but he's also still very good friends with Sam, and they talk a lot together. And he told mm-hmm. me, and this is secondhand, so please fucking, you know, spoon of salt, but Tom has never steered me wrong, and he's always, like, told me exactly what Sam has said almost every time, although Sam never goes through with it, that the original plan was that um, Alvarez would make Evil Dead 2, the sequel to the remake film, and simultaneously Sam wanted to make Army of Darkness 2, a sequel to Army of Darkness, except taking place in the original um, ending timeline where Bruce is in the future because he fucked up. Yeah. And over the course of those two films, they cross dimensions because they both take place in different universes, and then they would make a third film together where it would be Mia and Ash teaming up. Yeah. So the idea was that like this remake was in an alternate universe, 
uh, with its own Book of the Dead, and Ash was in Universe Prime with that Book of the Dead. Gotcha. And they were both, like, both of the chosen ones in their universe, and they would team up for whatever the, the true Evil Dead or something was. Sam didn't get that far in his plotting and plans. Obviously, that didn't fucking happen. Yeah. Uh, mainly because Alvarez said that he didn't want to make another Evil Dead movie, which is a terrible idea, in my opinion. Yeah, which I can say, I think he got it, really, he got it right. Very he got much. it right. Just make, just make, like, one or two more. Come on. Sam made three, and he still moved on to do Spider-Man and Westerns and superhero films, like, fucking... You're not Sam. Sam Raimi did Dark. Man. He did fucking Dark Man. I love Dark Man. Yeah. So come on, Alvarez. So uh, that was one plan. Another very in the in the, in the early draft of the Evil Dead, uh, twenty thirteen remake. I mean, um, Mia walks to the road and gets picked up by Bruce Campbell, it, saying that this is the same universe and <laughs> this is just someone else that found another book of the dead and had to deal with this horse shit. I'd really appreciate if he was driving Sam Raimi's car. Oh, God, yes. Like, there's one rusting up at the cabin, and there's one that, that Ash is also driving. Oh, there's the one... <laughs> the one that he's driving and picking me up in is the one from Armory Darkness. With the I, big I fan blade. Like, <laughs> 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 but maybe beat up, like, the fan blade, blade's broken off, but everything else on the car, like... Oh, no, at the time, because he also cut the roof off, and everything's super... Oh, yeah, it would look... I, I mean that. Like, I wanted to... Like, <laughs> just look ridiculous. Pulls, up, pulls down some goggles, like, hey, how's it going? <laughs> With his fucking metal hand. <laughs> Did you find a book, huh? My ideal ending for Evil Dead 2013 would be, at the end of the film, uh, she's staring off, the sun's rising, everything, all of a sudden, Ash falls from the sky. Oh my god, yeah. Maybe maybe his car, too, I don't know. Like, a la Armored Darkness, and then, then, then maybe some interaction there. It's like, well, I, I don't know something. I don't know. I don't know where it'd go from there. But maybe this AM interacting, like uh, like tying it off, and then it ends on a kind of cliffhanger. You're like, oh, there's there's Bruce Campbell. Nerdy me would have had uh, the abomination about to kill me, and then he, the abomination gets hit with a shotgun blast, and then Ash and Mia kill the abomination. Uh, Ash rides in on a rides car it. Uh, with it with his S smart vest. S smart vest. <laughs> shop smart. Shop S smart. You got that? But now we're getting we're now we're getting to fan service territory. Uh, Let's, uh, let's, I guess we should hold that off. Let's rate this movie. Uh, hold, hold off for when the Showtime series starts. Yes. Uh, rating, uh, four stars out of five. I'd give it a very solid four, although I might lean towards a four and a half, but that's because I'm a huge horror fan. Um. Okay. I can see that totally. I, I think I was teetering, but I think, I, well, I think my heart if says I, solid four If stars. I'm including, like, Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness as comparison, I might stick with Evil Dead Remake at four, because then I put Evil Dead 2 at four and a half, and Army of Darkness is a five for me. Right on. So, yeah, I'd, I, I'll stick with Evil Dead 2013 being a 4 compared to The Evil Dead being a 3. So, again, we already spoiled it, but I feel that Bill and I both agree. Old versus new, new wins. New does Which win. Which is not right. going to be... It's not that off, often that happens. Um... Uh, the, thi the Thing is much better than uh, thing The Thing from Another World. Absolutely. So, I mean, there's, I mean, hey, that might be one coming up smucks time. I'm, I'm joking. No, we're not going to fucking We're not going to watch the thing. I'll watch the thing. I have no, I have real no interest in watching the thing or another world. I bet it's black and white and old. And you might say, hey, but watch the thing. I'm like, no, that is a prequel. Yeah, that's a prequel. It's not a fucking remake. A, sh a shitty prequel, but not a remake. Uh, a prequel that tried to be good and then got shittified by the studio. 
That's absolutely fucking true. <laughs> like, those filmmakers but, really liked the the thing and tried really hard to make a really good prequel in the studios, but, ah, kids like CGI. Yeah, throw, throw away all these amazing special <laughs> effects you made. Throw them away. Just set them on fire. Throw them in the trash, motherfuckers. So, yeah, that's it. That's old, that's old versus new. New one, motherfuckers. You have a problem with that? You can email us at moviefilmswithbillandsteve at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook. Uh, just look up Movie Films with Bill and Steve. Uh, we are also on our Tumblr, moviefilmswithbillandsteve.tumblr.com, where you can see a listing of all of our episodes. We're also on iTunes. Just look up Movie Films with Bill and Steve. Subscribe. Leave a five-star review saying, what are these motherfuckers talking what about? What are these motherfuckers? The Evil Dead is amazing perfection. I don't give a shit if the moon is projected. That's how I put the moon in my house. <laughs> put the moon on, and I'll give a shit. You could suck my dick. Five stars. Subscribe. Love it. <laughs> Just type, just type, type all of that. Please. All of that. Please do that right now. And if you want the more personal Level of Bill experience, you can find me on Twitter at Level of Bill. And of course, you can find my films at SilverSpotlightFilms.com, Facebook.com slash SilverSpotlightFilms, or email me directly, DarkMullet at gmail.com. And as, and always, as always, guys. Oh, goddammit. <laughs> okay, you have this. Go ahead. Okay, and as always, guys, I've been Steve. And I've been Bill. Hey, uh, why don't you come out here so I can suck on your cock, pretty boy? I will feast on your soul. Ah, uh, feast on this motherfucker. Oh no, there's a chainsaw on my face. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, now it's bloody. Ah, uh, then we're gonna play Slayer's Raining Blood. Okay. <laughs> and then let's wait three minutes, and then, uh, guys, keep listening for three straight minutes, then Bruce Campbell's gonna show up, I promise. I promise so much.